Okay, welcome back everybody. We are on week four of our Advent series. It's getting closer and closer to Christmas. Can you guys believe it? Man, it's getting down to the wire here. All right. Hope you got all your uh, shopping done and all your prayers getting ready for Christmas Day because ready or not. Honestly, I mean like we had our shopping done kind of a while ago because we heard that because of the economy and such, there might be shortages. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to make sure that uh, everyone that we had to buy for would have a good Christmas. So I, we we kind of got all our shopping done pretty early. Because I, that's how you have a good Christmas. If you get good presents. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. If you don't when get good presents. When you're a child, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually and saw I this meme. And I had to buy for quite a few children. <laughs> I saw this meme of these people swimming in the ocean. And you can see off in the distance this cargo ship. And it says, look, people lining up for Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've never been a fan of Black Friday. I have not either. Have you gone? What do you think the answer is? I'm going to guess no. no. But, you but know, see, you I'm know. a woman, and women most of the time are, like, excited for Black Friday, but I'm more of a tomboy, and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to get up at 5 a.m. Nope. to go shopping. I'd rather get up at 5 a.m. to feed a Sleep child. In, so have your coffee, get over that turkey hangover, you yeah. know. Yeah, you know, to each his own, mm-hmm. to each his own. Well, we got a new episode for everybody today. We're going to be talking about love. That is the topic. What is love? Oh, okay. Baby, don't hurt me. I feel like that was both necessary and unnecessary at the same time. <laughs> but c- can't say I didn't see it coming at the very least. <laughs> That's awesome. So just as with our previous episodes in this series, we're going to open up with the collect for this week. So this is for uh, the fourth Sunday of Advent. So we pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, your grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, your Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Isn't that the closing prayer of the Angelus? Yes, it is. That's awesome. You know, the one thing that really hit me there, you know, we're going to be talking about love today, and it's just like the cross and how that is just the ultimate sign of love. Because I feel like a lot of times people don't like to look at the cross. Mm. They don't like to acknowledge the reality of the cross. But the reality of the cross is love, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that just like... The collect for this week really just touches home with like, this is love. Amen. You know. Amen. Yeah. This is such a. I mean, this is at the heart of our faith, right? God is love. Yeah. This all of creation is created from love for love. I mean, it's it's at the heart of everything. It's at the heart of our Christian lives. It's at the heart of the Paschal mystery. The very fact that God became man. I mean, it's so central to everything. So I'm just really excited to uh, delve into this topic today. There's A lot of different avenues we could go down. We're going to try to stay kind of focused on one theme, but we're going to let the Holy Spirit kind of lead us. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited for this episode. I'm also excited for our guest who is with us this evening. We have with us Mr. Hunter Swagger. Hunter, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. See, this is where we need like a sound effects track to just like clap. Everyone start yelling. Yeah. This is your cue. Emma, yell. Peanut gallery. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Emma. Pumping us up. Pumping us up. Appreciate that sound 
effect manager slash fact checker. <laughs> I was trying to be like father. Well, we can't always all be like father, so <laughs> gotta know our limitations. Because yeah, I'm a woman. That's that's a big part of it, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Being a man is essential to my identity. We covered that in the male podcast with my husband. Uh, yes, with your husband. Anywho, so t- today we're being with a Hunter being Swagger. a man's essential to my identity too, father. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Wonderful. I feel like. Just your name, kind of. He is he is oh, both hunter in name and in activity let's slash save that. function. Let's save that for the joy at the end. Okay, yeah. we'll save that for the joy. Yeah. We'll save that for the joy. So, Hunter, how about you kind of introduce yourself to the guests? What are you up to? What are you doing with your life? I don't know, just like summarize your entire life in 20 seconds, you know, basic stuff. All right, it's pretty irrelevant till about age 23. Okay, here we go. Um, Buckle then, up. Then I started taking life a little bit more seriously. That's right good. Um, Same. It's where, I guess, uh, we'll talk about this, where love becomes a real thing. Yeah, I am uh, the happy and blessed husband of Brittany, who is here. Aww. Um, Hi, Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Uh, I think we'll talk a bit about this. So. Yeah, there, there is an element of where, like, that's upon choosing a vocation and upon actually committing to live a life of love for a purpose yeah that's kind of i feel like it's kind of year zero for me not that everything before there was irrelevant but uh but yeah i i came to the area in 2016 for work i stopped being an atheist probably in like 2018 thank you maybe 2017 and then i i really became like catholic again like committed to practicing the faith and actually believing it's true and not just therapeutic in late 2019, which coincided right with ID starting up, obviously has changed my life entirely. Can I just say that when you joined our Intentional Disciples, which is what ID is, group, I remember Jason very clearly saying to me, I really need to make sure that I reach out to Hunter because he really needs to stay in the group. Hmm. And you have been just such a huge blessing to our id community and so i'm just so thankful to god for you and Brittany and how you've blessed our community so thank you for sticking it out and coming closer to god and in all of everything that's gone on thank you for that jason succeeded for sure jason's he's a a huge he's a huge point of why i realized that group was worth committing to yeah, absolutely. And Hunter, if we could just go back a little bit to your testimony, I'm kind of intrigued. Did you grow up in a non-religious setting or did you grow up Catholic and then you became atheist in like your college years? Like how did that work out? Yeah, a cradle Catholic. The kind of Catholic that would go to mass at noon, leave after communion out the side door to catch the Lions game at 1 p.m. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was that that's my upbringing with the faith, which obviously made it like a, a faith of straw. So once I went to a an aggressively secular public university, that crumbled like within weeks of stepping on campus. Because mm. you went to mm. univers- the University of Michigan, right? Yeah. Because yep. our, our mutual friend, Colleen, had some classes with you because she went to U of right. M as well. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing maybe just like a snapshot into, I mean, was it, there had to have been something that led you to the ID group. So was there something that happened kind of in the middle between the atheist in college to then 
you know, ever since joining ID and growing, was there something that happened in the middle there? So I guess I would have graduated 2016, and then I was living in Saginaw by myself for the rest of 2016, 2017. I might be getting the dates wrong here, but there was a, it was a Friday, sometime around 2017, early 2018. <laughs> I came home from work um, and just felt like at, at the, uh, the pit of just like, um, I don't know, like just uh, meaningless. I've been working, you know, a nine to five post-college life job. I didn't have any friends in the area. I didn't, uh, and I was kind of at the very bottom. I wasn't even, it's not like I was batting around the idea of like taking religion seriously again at all. But I came home Friday night and uh, I just had an urge to go to confession. I had no idea what that even meant. I had to Google, how do you confession? Hmm. How do you, how do you, what do you say? Praise God. Uh, I remember, and so then I Googled, like, where's a Catholic church? Or I think maybe I just Googled, where's a church? And I think, praise God, it was Catholic nearby. And right around the corner was St. Thomas Aquinas, where mm. you are mm-hmm. currently. Uh, what's the position exactly called? Just, I am the parochial vicar. Parochial but I, vicar. For right. the listeners, I wasn't there at the time. Right, right. Okay. Um, and they just happened to be doing confessions the next morning. So I got up early, went there. I remember sitting in the parking lot studying over and over to the act of contrition because mm. I hadn't prayed that ever in my life. So I was like, oh, I want to get this right. First time since you were a little kid, maybe? Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. since I, I would never have gone to confession other than maybe before First Communion. I don't even know if they made made us do that then. Okay. I might have never set foot in a confessional before that moment. Mm. So then I, I went in, I confessed, you know, 25 years of, of life, basically. Wow. I was absolved. It was obviously way different than what I'd seen in movies and everything before then. Mm. And then I sat in the pews and cried for like an hour. And that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a immediately like, all right, Catholicism is, is the truth, the way and the truth in life, and I'm going to make the center of my life. But it was certainly jarring, and um, something has to change, and I think I'm being led there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that aspect you of your testimony. I want to... Well, I was—I was just gonna say. I mean, I would—I would love to maybe have you back on another time to talk about maybe different aspects of your testimony because, you know, people who are listening, they might not run into very many people our age who are kind of, kind of fresh in this aspect of reversion. So we'd love to yeah, maybe Hunter, go how into old are that. You? Oh boy, twenty-eight. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, yeah. So like relatively young, you know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You Thank know. you. Hey, yeah. Twenty-eight too. <laughs> yeah, I—I I am too. Wow. Ah, we're oh, fact, all fact checker, you, you checked our birth certificates. I verified with uh, Brittany Hunter's wife ah. that he is indeed 28. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, again, there's a lot of different directions we can go in this, but I found this quote, and it's by basically our patron saint by now. I mean, he's been mentioned in almost every episode, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. But we can't help it; he's got some beautiful quotes, and this is a quote that I found. This was actually from a homily that he was giving at a priestly ordination, and I thought this would, I think, frame our conversation tonight on the topic of love because we've all probably heard the traditional definition of love, of charity being making a gift of yourself. It's willing the good of the other. It's not just a feeling, it's not just a sentiment, but it's, it's making a gift of myself for the sake of someone else. And Pope Benedict XVI has this really, I think, thought-provoking quote to frame our discussion tonight. So he says this, he says, it is characteristic of the present era that the so-called single life is on the increase and an ever greater, ever more dominant sector of the population is made up of persons who enter no lasting relationship. There is something like an almost traumatic fear of fruitfulness because the other might take our place away. 
because we feel that our share of existence is threatened. And ultimately, this retreat into wanting to be only myself is fear of death, fear of losing life, all that we have and are. But man who is created in the image of the triune God cannot find himself by closing himself up in himself. He can find himself only in relation, in going out, in self-giving, in the gesture of the dying grain of wheat. Whew. That is... uh, Straight fire coming from Papa Benny. Oh, yeah. Some really good stuff. And actually, the, oh, yeah. the first time I heard that, I actually wrote in the margins this other quote that I had heard. So I was I was doing a lot of driving last year, and so I was listening to a lot of audiobooks. And one of the things I listened to was the recent uh, autobiography of Matthew McConaughey, the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm necessarily a huge fan of his, but it's, it was just one of those things that was really big in the culture. And so I wanted to get a sense of what is it that the culture is you know, reading, listening to, interested in. And there's this quote at at the end of his autobiography. He's talking about how at that point he has a kid and then he's living with the mom of his kid, but they're not married. They're not in a relationship yet, you know. So this little kid comes up to Matthew McConaughey and he goes, Dad, uh, why aren't you married to mom? Like this kid is starting to figure out, like, wait a second. Like you're not like all the other parents I see in my school. Like why haven't you married her yet? And McConaughey thinks about it for a minute and he goes, well, to be honest, it's because I'm scared. And the kid goes, scared of what? And he reflects again for a moment. He goes, well, I guess I'm afraid of losing myself. And I just thought that was very honest of him to acknowledge that fear of entering into this lifelong relationship with this person and how it would entail a dying to self. It would entail losing myself in love for this person. And this is just an aspect of love that I don't think we hear talked about very often, perhaps especially in our generation where, you know, I I think there's a lot of people who are choosing to stay single, not necessarily because they've discerned that's God's call for their life, but more so just because they're afraid of the commitment or they're afraid of, of losing themselves ultimately, you know, if we're going by Pope Benedict's idea here. So, I, I have some thoughts of this as a celibate who has committed his life to the church, which is my bride. But before sharing that, I want to kind of tap into your experiences as married couples. As you were preparing for marriage or as you've lived this out, has this thought crossed your mind? Has it ever been a fear for you, this idea of losing yourself in love for the sake of the other? How, how has that kind of resonated in your hearts over the years? So, yeah, I mean, not not really. I knew that marriage was going to call me to great sacrifice with living out my marriage promises to my husband. We had a phenomenal marriage prep program with Father Adam Maher, and mm. we knew that marriage wasn't going to be all sunshine and roses. So we were very well prepared, and we knew what we would be called to do, but we didn't fear losing ourselves we knew in a sense that we would find more of a fulfillment Hmm. of ourselves and our vocation. It's kind of like you had to trust that. Like you didn't know exactly what that would entail, but you like, you trusted that somehow it would work out that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the love that God was calling us to, we knew that that love that we had between each other would be cultivated. That would, it, it would grow and eventually it would bring forth children because that's the point of, you know, this love. Mm. 
it's so great. It's so overwhelming that it brings forth children. Mm. You know, and yes, we have three children. And, it, you know, when we think about it, when we actually stop and think about the fact that the love between the two of us has made three children. It's kind of mind-blowing. Like It really is. Holy cow, we made three kids because right. we love each other. What do you think, Hunter? I mean, Brittany's expecting right now, so. I remember saying it. this would have been, I think in the year, it was either 2015 or 2016, I remember saying out loud to somebody, I can never see myself getting married, like mm. confidently saying that. And then um, a switch flipped and obviously I like but but no that attitude continued well beyond that that attitude was the reason why things almost I almost screwed things up actually with um praise god my wife now mm. um thank is because you Brittany. I I genuinely had this mindset that a long-term commitment a permanent commitment was an infringement on my personal freedom and yeah. the stuff I want to do with my life oh, and yep. and all that and that obviously almost it, led to it did lead to the ruin of relationships it almost led to the ruin of me entirely what i what i feel like honestly underpins all that that whole mentality that i can definitely identify with is a total lack of awareness of how boring we really are like how uninteresting we really are like, we as in like, like uh, us in of ourselves okay. as just like individuals like with no purpose or vocation okay. or no relation to God. Hmm. Like just me, autonomous, independent hunter is a really interesting, fascinating creature. Hmm. And like any sort of infringement on that is, you know, it's uh, something that's not good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's like, I feel like that's a, like social media has both exacerbated this and exposed this. Mm-hmm. Where like everyone thinks I'm, they have extremely interesting things to say, extremely interesting viewpoints. And you like kind of take a mic, you know, I don't know, step back and look at it. And it's like every single, like if you're a a liberal, every single liberal's feed looks the exact same. They have the exact same takes on the exact same topics. Like conservative posts the exact same memes and use the exact same catchphrases. Mm -hmm. Uh, The person who's like apolitical and just posts funny stuff has the exact same sense of humor <laughs> that everyone else has and use the same joke template everyone else does. And it's like you finally realize that like, mm. like, like in and of ourselves, we're, we're really not that special. Mm. And that po- the part of the Benedict quote here where he says, man who's created in the image of the triune God cannot find himself by closing up in himself. That whole, like, I'm going to find myself just by like, right, just soul searching, just kind of like uh, looking inward. Mm-hmm. Just leads to that it leads you to become the exact same person everyone else is. This mass-produced person who's living for no discernible reason, mm. and it is only through like submitting to God, like He said, and really like you say all the time, our identities, a son or daughter of of Christ primarily. Mm-hmm. But that really gets felt like played out in real life through the vocation, through really our application of love. Like that's where our identity comes in. I'm I'm not just Hunter who is like has a sarcastic sense of humor. Ever heard of that? <laughs> like, you, mm-hmm. but you never heard witty jokes before. Like whatever yeah, yeah. you think your like identity is. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm like my my identity is a son of God and as a husband of Brittany and God willing father of Jill. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's my love is now directed to something. Joe Heschmeyer, who's one of my favorite 
he's uh, helped me with a lot of things, actually, even though he never met him, but a Catholic answers guy. And he has this whole thing, he'll talk, he wrote a whole book on it, on identity. And he says, like, if we don't know what our identity is, we don't even know how to act in any meaningful way. Hmm. Like, our lives just don't make any sense. Think of me when I was living alone in Saginaw before I had a reversion. And it's like, like, everything I did just didn't make any sense. Like, mm-hmm. like watching sports all day. Like, why? Like, it's just nonsensical. Like, hmm. care, like, caring about my fancy football team or like whatever playing video games till 3 a.m like everything you do it's just like you look back it's like i'm just none of this makes any sense mm. I, like there's just no order to this at all yeah it's only now that like now that my identity has is has been revealed to me that i like i understand like all right everything i do and every act i make has to be in the context of my soul's eternal i'm a husband of Brittany, and in the future i'll father to children that's how every act must be oriented if i could just add yeah maybe two thoughts and then i think we can close by talking a little bit about what it's been like i would like to hear what what it's been like for you guys in the past and now in the present to journey through the advent season approaching christmas being either pregnant or the spouse of someone who is pregnant that's kind of a teaser for what's coming up but if i could just add uh, two points here the first one is this is an acronym that we learned in seminary that I think would help kind of provide a template for what it is that you guys are talking about for our listeners to consider. The, the acronym is R-I-M, so RIM, and it stands for Relationship, Identity, Mission, right? And so the, the idea is that we start out, the foundation is our relationship with God. From that relationship, we receive our identity, and then from that identity, we're sent out into mission, So we see that with the life of Jesus, right, especially at his baptism. The father says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So you see the relationship that's been there from all time. You see the identity, the beloved son, and then he gets sent out on mission, right? That's when his public ministry begins at his baptism. And I think so often what we see in our culture is a reversal of that acronym. It starts out, I'm just going to go out and like find my own purpose and go on my own mission and I'm going to figure it out for my own. And maybe along the way, I'll discover an identity and then maybe that will lead into a relationship, right? But what Jesus shows us and what our identity is as a beloved son or daughter of the Father in virtue of our baptism is to start out cultivating that relationship with God, then receiving our identity from that and our mission will flow from that. So I just offer that as a framework to touch on exactly what you guys are talking about, but that's just another way of, of phrasing it. The second thing I wanted to mention, so again, I'm not married, but as a priest, my bride is the church, right? And so I can just remember at my ordination day, we've talked already in the podcast about how when the man to be ordained, when he lies prostrate on his ordination, just the, the deep symbolism in that, just laying it all at the feet of the Lord, acknowledging in humility my poverty, this, this posture of surrender. There's, there's something to that, that that gets to that Pope Benedict quote about being willing to lose myself in love. But, you know, to be honest, one of the things that really surprised me, one of the things that struck me during my ordination was when the bishop anointed my hands. That was something that I hadn't really prayed a whole lot about before ordination, but when he was anointing my hands... I had this realization like, holy cow, my hands no longer belong to me in a sense, right? Like, yeah, obviously they're still my hands, but like whenever my bride, the church needs my hands, I got to go. So when somebody needs confession, these hands are sent out to be able to absolve. When someone's in the hospital and it's 9 p.m. and they need an anointing, 
these hands belong to my bride. I got to go anoint. When somebody needs mass, they need to be nourished by the Eucharist at six o'clock in the morning when not even Jesus is awake yet. Like I got to get up and I got to say mass because my hands are for my bride. Right. And it didn't really strike me until afterwards. And I realized, huh, these hands are no longer mine. And it's, you know, I, I would just say that there's, there's a little bit of attention there. On the one hand, we all struggle a little bit with selfishness. We, we all have our own selfish desires of I want to do what I want to do on my own time in my own way. But I think what we're all touching on here is that as we're all quote unquote newbies in our vocations, we are finding that what the church says is true. What Jesus says is true, that it's in giving ourselves away in love that we actually paradoxically find our fulfillment and our joy. So that's kind of how I would share how I've seen this play out in my own life and to kind of tag team with what you guys have both said. Did you have any fear of losing yourself becoming a priest? I don't know if if losing myself was uh, the exact fear because I knew as a priest I have to be weary of the temptation to live the life of a bachelor because the priest has a lot of freedom. I don't if I don't want to take this call or I don't want to go to that thing, I don't have to whereas if I'm a husband and a father like the need is right there right in front of me. I can't really run away from it. So I knew as a priest that the temptation to bachelorhood and to run away from responsibility could become easier. And that's obviously not why I chose it, but that that's that wasn't necessarily one of the fears. There there were other ones, but I, I would say that that was wasn't one on the top of the list just based on the nature of priestly ministry. I do have to say, Jason and I both thank you for your love for the church, your bride, mm. because. If I'm not incorrect, I was your first COVID anointing of the sick. That's correct. <laughs> and speaking of that kind of extraordinary love, obviously the, we're preparing ourselves in these days leading up to Christmas for the most extraordinary love story of all, which is God becoming man and in the incarnation. And uh, just as we're winding down here, I want to give Hunter a chance, our guest, to talk a little bit about what it's been like this Advent as we hear these readings about Mary's pregnancy and and journeying to Bethlehem and then the birth of Jesus. I'm just wondering how all of this is striking you, perhaps in a way that you've never related to before in the past, uh, now that you're journeying with your wife who is pregnant in these days. Does it make you feel like St. Joseph? Has St. Joseph been like a helpful companion for you? Has it been uh, challenging in that way? What, what what are some of your thoughts about journeying through this Advent season with a pregnant wife? I, I really want to develop a devotion to St. Joseph um, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. I feel like St. Joseph uh, has a lot of qualities I really wish I had, like I, like just the strict commitment to his, his duties. He just seemed to be, like, he just seemed to be someone who, and was someone who, like, he just did his work, loved his wife, cared for his child, didn't talk too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, I would love to, to have a little more of that mm. and commit to more of that. I'll say, and we were talking about this a little beforehand, uh, I feel like, a layer has been peeled back with St. Joseph recently, which is that like he's always been depicted to me and described as kind of a frail old man. And even one of the like interpretations I'd heard a long time ago about what happens in the nativity with the, with the angel coming to uh, announcing to him that, you know, don't be afraid after he divorces Mary quietly is what it says or some translations. And then he, um, and then he's told, don't, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
And I've heard some really terrible explanations of that. Like, oh, he thought Mary was cheating on him, but she, you know, he didn't want to make her ashamed in public. and Stuff that makes him sound kind of just like a half-wit, like kind of just like fool who doesn't get what's going on. Sure. And there's like a way better understanding of it that comes like directly from the church fathers that's, no, he was, he knew exactly what was going on because he believed Mary because he loved her and uh, took her word as truth and simply was so taken aback by it, he didn't feel worthy to be the foster father of our Lord, which squares way more with how everyone else reacts to the vine in the Bible. But point being, like, there is an, there's an understanding of St. Joseph that's way more noble than the one that I'd gotten. Mm-hmm. You can get more into Bishop Fulton Sheen we were talking about, his understanding, I think correct understanding, that St. Joseph was not, he was not some, like, elderly man. Like, he was probably more like my age when Jesus was born. I get those pictures, and there's, there's a great one at Holy Family, actually, way up right above the altar. And he looks more like me. He mm-hmm. looks like, like someone my age, the one at the Adoration Chapel in Bay City right now. He looks like he's holding baby Jesus in his arm, and he looks like me. And that's, like, broken through to more me more recently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess I'll tie back into the, the very first thing we did here, which is we read the collect, which happened to be the closing prayer of the Angelus, mm-hmm. and little things like that, and I expect this to continue, and Mary-Kate... Um, knows this more about me because I still haven't gone through this entire Advent season, you know, while expecting a child yet. Mm-hmm. But just that that prayer in particular, like it begins with the Annunciation, and then it's this kind of acceptance: "Behold the hem, behold and the hem of the Lord, let be done to me according to Thy word." And then it ends with the Word is made flesh and dwelt among us. And there's something as an expectant father where you see between the second and third stanza there, the child has been born. Everything about that entire process means a lot more right now Hmm. yeah it's beautiful thank you for sharing that it's uh it's exciting it's an exciting time for for you guys as a couple it's exciting time for the church as we head into uh, the days of christmas and so listeners we hope that this uh, testimony from hunter and our conversation on love has blessed you and that this whole series has prepared you for coming days and to enter into the Christmas octave, the Christmas season. Uh, We just really hope that this has been something that has helped prepare your hearts to celebrate these great solemnities in the church. And with that, I think we're going to start wrapping it up here with sharing our last one joys of season one. So we got to make it count. So Mary Kay, what do you got for us today? So as Hunter said, you know, I have a very real sense of what it's like to be expecting around Christmas time. I was expecting Mary Therese around Christmas. She was born in February. I'm very thankful for Mary Therese, even though she's almost two years old. Mm. I'm thankful for her and her and her joy, her craziness. (laughs) But I'm also thankful for uh, just this past week, we celebrated our Intentional Disciples Friendsgiving, where we all got together and celebrated Thanksgiving together. We all brought food. We enjoyed each other's company. And it was just a bundle of laughs, a bundle of joy. It was a great time together. And so I'm really just thankful for that community of friends that we've developed. Yeah, I I praise God for that, that we have a young adult community for young adults who want to grow in discipleship in this area. That's that's such a blessing. So that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hunter, our guest, what is it that you would say for your one joy this week? I'll do one and a half because I'll just uh, build off that. We also had a Friendsgiving kind of last night Friday group. Woo woo. And it was awesome. And it, like that group is uh, growing at such an awesome pace. Like the only problem with that group right now is we're having logistical problems figuring out how to like 
on board as many people as are coming on. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. It's a great problem to have. Beautiful. Um, but I'll say I did, uh, I did have a great joy this Monday, which is opening day, and I got my first buck. Ah, so the I hunter finally, is truly a hunter. Finally lived up to the name. Hunter yes. is a hunter. And there were, uh, I can tie this in without just being bragging. There was really something with, uh, I brought it back here, got like it was, got my dad's truck, brought it back down to the area, hung it up in a buddy's garage, and we got the, the tenderloin out of it. I, like immediately put it in a bag, brought it home, marinated it, grilled it last night, and we had it. Brittany and I had it for dinner. Oh. And there's something wow. to the effect of, like, I, I genuinely just, put food on the table mm. yes. like we like we say that a lot and like most of us our experience with food is just whatever you checked out the checkout line right right um Hot but something, something did feel <laughs> yeah right <laughs> not harvested from nature in any no way. not really I, I, there's no hot pocket bush that i'm aware of right yeah um yeah so we uh something about that felt everyone everything feels a little different these days right now with the expecting child but yeah. felt like that's right. Like I'm, I actually put food on the table here, and I'm supporting a, a family. And, Amen. And there's also like the reason I'm named Hunter, uh. is because I was born on opening or around like right after opening day Seriously? of. But there, there is something else here where my grandpa suggested the name Hunter because he had to skip opening day to come see me in the, uh, you know, oh, the hospital man. when I got born. Wow. He passed a couple of years ago. Okay. And so, and I just wasn't much of a hunter growing up. But I got, uh, I, I finally got the buck yesterday or earlier. And, but uh, I feel like there's something to that because you just said that you weren't much of a hunter growing up, but you are a hunter. Mm, relationship, identity, <laughs> mission. Yes. Boom. Don't ever. No. Doubt Don't ever. Who you are. Never. Well, anyway. Thank you for your witness. Yes. Yes. Thanks very much. I would say my one joy has just been pr- priestly fraternity. I recently got together with a bunch of classmates from. The seminary is the first time we've gotten together since uh, graduation, so it was good to see everybody and talk about the uh, blessings and some of the struggles of priesthood just in the last few months that we've been priests. And then um, I'm part of a priestly fraternity group here in the diocese, so we get together every month. We pray together, we have a meal together, and then we share graces, blessings, and then also some struggles of the past month. And so I've just been really grateful for that brotherhood in in the priesthood and for that, uh, yeah, that fraternity. It's been a, a great blessing. So... Well, with that, this episode comes to a close. This is also going to be the close of season one. So we're going to be taking a break. I know, I know. We're going to soak up these days that the church gives us to rejoice, to uh, have some fun in this Christmas octave, and kind of rest up, really pray as we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into uh, season two. We're going to start coming out with episodes maybe about mid-January or so, um, but we really just want to take some time to just rest as a podcast team. We put in a lot of work, especially the people who are behind the scenes, Jonah and Craig and Stephen. They do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and they don't get very much credit for it. So I really want to thank them for all of their work and let them have their little moments in the sun right now. But yeah, we're just going to rest. We're going to pray and we look forward to coming back rather for uh, season two. So thank you so much for uh, listening over this past season. It's been a great blessing journeying with you and we look forward to seeing you soon. Have a very blessed Christmas and a happy new year, everybody.